This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Gastrointestinal issues can range from abdominal pain to heartburn and vomiting. What's causing them? Well, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it can be a sign of something very serious. How can you tell the difference? And how can you prevent those gastrointestinal problems in the first place? We turn now to our house doctor, Zachary Levine. He is joining us to figure it out. He's going to take your calls and questions. So before we talk to Dr. Zach, the uh, phone numbers, once again, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Hi, Zach. Hello, Libby. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm fine. Good. So, uh, yeah, this is an important issue. And as, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the gastrointestinal tract, is a, it's a long tract. It's everything uh, from the, the end point, the mouth, to the out point, which is uh, basically the rectum, the anus. And it's, uh, and it's obviously very important. I mean, it's, uh, it's where we get a lot of or all of our, almost all of our nutrients. So we take in our nutrients and, the, and they are absorbed. And then we, elib- we eliminate the waste that we don't need. And it's actually, you know, very, very common reason why people go to the doctor is issues related to this gastrointestinal tract. And often it's one of those systems that we, you know, we don't notice that much when it's working well, but when, it's, uh, when, when there's a problem, and one, one example of a very common problem that is, a, that is responsible for a couple of million visits, this is in the States, a couple of minute, million visits per year to the doctor is constipation. Um, and so one of, the, one of the questions that often gets asked is what's normal, you know, how often, uh, what's, what's the normal amount uh, or frequency of going to the bathroom for bowel movements? And, and it can actually, the normal range is actually between three bowel movements a day and three per week. So it's quite a, it's quite a wide range. And what's normal for one person is not normal for someone else. So we all, we all hopefully know what's normal for us. But, and we also know, you know, when there's a big change and when we have discomfort and when we're having a lot of uh, problem going to the bathroom, then it's, worth coming in and trying to figure out what the problem is. Um, GERD or acid, acid reflux is, is a big problem for a lot of people. Does it have mostly to do with what we eat or what? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. So GERD, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease is very, very common. And in fact, it's one of those things that, that can sometimes mimic a heart attack, you know, because one of the symptoms of GERD, usually it's upper abdominal pain, middle abdominal pain, um, but it can cause the acid. So basically, what it is is normal, there's a one there should be, or there is a valve between the esophagus and the stomach. So we swallow it goes down the esophagus into the stomach, and it's supposed to be a one-way valve so that food can get in, but the very strong acid from the stomach can't get out, so it can't go back the wrong way backwards. But sometimes there's a little bit of leakiness of that valve. And what happens is you get, you get the leaking and you can actually sense it when there's a bit of acid that goes back up into the esophagus. We sense it as pain, as burning, uh, as nausea. Sometimes we, we can actually taste the acidity in our mouth. 
and it's very common. And so, and in terms of what the causes are, there are a few food causes. So things like uh, peppermint and um, alcohol can be associated, uh, um, caffeinated beverages, including caffeine, and um, uh, including tea and um, uh, coffee, those can also be associated with it. Um, but there's also just a, just a basically a congenital component in that some, some of us, our one-way valves just become a little bit leaky at some point. And, uh, and that's something that you, you can't control that well. The things that people can do is, aside from avoiding the foods that I mentioned, and there are some other ones too that, that uh, we could talk about, but the other thing is after eating, it's important to uh, not, not lie flat on your back right away. So that's why people recommend that you don't uh, have a big meal and then lie down flat because you're, it's just gravity. So basically, if you're, if you're standing up, it's harder for the acid to, to uh, basically go back up uh, back up into your esophagus as opposed to if you lie flat, it's easier for that to happen. And there's a few different things that can cause it, including it's also related to this um, famous bacteria, H. pylori, which which is only famous over the past 10 years or so, which we doctors didn't realize until about 10 or 15 years ago that it's related to acid reflux and also related to ulcers, which are ulcers in the stomach and the, and the esophagus. So I thought it, ulcers are always H. pylori. Well, they are... They are pretty much always H. pylori, but there are some other factors that can increase your likelihood. So def- one of the most common is taking anti-inflammatory medications. So anti-inflammatories, and that includes uh, ibuprofen, which is Advil or Motrin. It can include other things like naproxen and diclofenac. There's a whole bunch of them, but taking those regularly can irritate the stomach lining and can give you a gastritis, which is inflammation. And then in the... Um, in the, especially in the presence of that H. pylori, you're much more likely to have an ulcer, and you're also much more likely to have bleeding. There are some other things as well, but that's the most common thing is the H. pylori plus the anti-inflammatory medications, which can be very hard on the stomach. Um, well, there's there's another um, huge issue with which with all of this, uh, and that is, and this, these are sort of you can have these what I would call vague gastrointestinal symptoms. Uh, but sometimes it can be very serious, and certainly that happened to me. Um, I was having symptoms like that right before I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That's one of the problems with pancreatic cancer is uh, there are there isn't much in the way of symptoms, and the ones there are are usually kind of uh, nebulous. So, Zach, how can people you know get a sense of whether what they're experiencing is is something serious? You make a great point, and that's yeah, it's exactly the problem. And that's the problem with certain cancers, like pancreatic cancer. There's some other ones. The one that comes to mind is sort of ovarian cancer. Things that uh, can grow for a while and just cause sort of vague symptoms, like uh, for example, fullness or nausea or a little bit of abdominal discomfort that people just write off because, you know, frankly, we all get these things from time to time, and they usually pass. The things that certainly the things that are red flags. And it's not always obvious, you know. Uh, so one thing I do say is if you're having persistent symptoms that aren't uh, normal for you, is it's worth getting it checked out, you know, at least giving a call to your doctor if you're able to do that or making an appointment just to see if it's lasting. If you, because the vast majority, we see very, very often people come in with nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and the vast majority of those sort of gastroenteritis or if you, have, or if you eat something that is contaminated, they're, they're quite short-acting usually, um, like even under 24 hours, the vast majority of them. And even a gastroenteritis that people will catch when they're traveling or whatnot, those shouldn't usually last more than a few days. So 
if something, number one, if it's different from normal for you, number two is if it's persisting, and even I would say if it's persisting more than a couple of days and it doesn't feel right to you, and there's no good reason for it either. So if you're having, um, uh, certainly if you're having a lot of pain, uh, the other things that are worrisome are blood, you know, blood in your stool, blood in your vomit, weight loss, fever, chills, uh, lack of appetite, all those things are concerning that it's not just sort of a, uh, you know, you, you, you ingested something contaminated, it's making you sick, and it's going to pass quickly. Okay, uh, Dr. Zach, let's give the numbers out once again so people can call to ask you questions about gastrointestinal issues, but they can actually ask you questions about anything uh, that is on their minds. Dr. Zach is here to take your calls and questions. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Again, I am here with our house doctor, Zachary Levine. We're talking about gastrointestinal issues, which uh, many of us experience, and also the problem of trying to figure out if it is something serious or just, you know, the kind of thing that happens. Um, And Zach, sometimes you have to go through a lot of tests, because I remember going through a lot of tests when I first started experiencing these symptoms. And uh, at first, I thought perhaps they missed something. I had, you know, what was called an upper GI series. And I was tested for H. pylori, which can take a very long time, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, because it takes a month for for the it's a some kind of breath test and it takes a month to get the result, um, but then I was told that actually those tests would not have detected it. So, um, yeah. what about uh, you know how do you know you're even getting the right tests? Well, it's a good question. You're, a test is is only as good as uh, what it's number one what it's looking for, and of course it depends on the operator as well. You need a good operator, but but yeah, for example, what you're mentioning an upper GI. So there's a couple of there's a couple of things we do if we suspect it's something to do with the esophagus or the stomach. One is uh, something called a barium swallow, where you swallow this contrast and they do x-rays. Another is a gastroscopy, where they put a camera down and they take a look in. But absolutely, that will not show. That only shows the esophagus and the stomach and maybe the upper, the upper part of the small bowel. But it's not an imaging test to look deeper. And as you know, the pancreas is is towards the back, you know, it's a retroperitoneal organ. So even if you, another test, which often we will get for people with abdominal pain, is an ultrasound. And the ultrasound is very good for looking at the liver, it's good for looking at the gallbladder, a little bit for the stomach, but again, the pancreas is deeper. And so you really, often you don't see it well, and you really need a CAT scan or an MRI to look deeper so you see the pancreas. And that's, and that's the issue. We basically, we go with the clues and common things being common, when people come in with upper abdominal pain, the truth is usually we're thinking more stomach and liver and gallbladder. And so they may get investigated for those three things. But if we don't look deeper, we can, we can miss. Uh, so if you're, the problem is if the doctor's not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Yeah, and a lot of doctors don't see much of it. So I, I, I yeah. think one message I would like to get out to people is that, you know, if, if you're having something and it's not normal for you and the medication they give you for GERD or whatever doesn't work, keep at it till you find out what the problem is. Yeah, I agree. I agree absolutely. And the other thing is, I should say, because I mentioned constipation earlier, and it is very common, uh, but it's, it's really a diagnosis of exclusion. You know, you can never say, oh, you're, uh, in someone who has a change in their bowel habit, anyone... Uh, especially over 50, but anyone generally, if you have a change in your bowel habit and going to the bathroom, especially if it's associated with the other things I mentioned, weight loss, change in appetite, blood, uh, it needs to be checked out. And 
And we can, we as doctors should never just say, oh, you know, it's just constipation. That is once you've ruled everything else out and you do an imaging test and you see someone is full of stool, you know, fine, it's constipation, you can treat that. But you, we should never be saying, oh, it's just constipation if it's not normal. Some people are chronically constipated and they know it and they know there are certain things they can do, eating more fiber, drinking more water, getting more exercise, fruits and vegetables. But if it's not normal for you, like you're saying, get it checked out and and per, be persistent if it's not uh, if you're not getting the answers that you think you deserve and should get. Okay, uh let's go to the phones. We've got Mary in Burlington. Hello, Mary. Hello. I'm Mary from Burlington and I just put I guess came home and put the uh, radio on. I always listen to your show. Thank you. And um I am suffering uh, um from stomach ache, but it seems to be coming like maybe once or twice a year. Mm. And it lasts a long time, maybe even 10 days or more, mm. and then it just goes away. Huh. And I had a couple of tests before, a good couple of tests, and yeah. thank God nothing showed. Yeah. But uh, it's still, when it starts hurting me, it, it, it really worries me. Yeah, and Mary, I certainly can appreciate why it worries you, because for 10 days is a long time to have stomach pains. We look at a whole bunch of things. One of the, to be honest, one of the things that's important is where. So, is it your upper stomach uh, or your lower or one side or another? No, it's the lower. It's the lower area, eh? Yes. Okay, and so based on that, you know, we we basically divide it into quadrants. So, it's, if it's the lower part, we're thinking more the lower bowel, or or it could be bladder. Yes, or it it's could exactly be... around where you bend. Yeah. That that part. And they, so Mary, you've had some tests. They did some imaging, like a ultrasound or a scan. Oh my or God, that's been going on for easily thirty or more years. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a long time. I do suffer from anxiety. Okay. So you, I don't know whether that would contribute to it. Well, certainly anxiety can contribute to anything. One of the things I always ask is. Do you find there's a relationship, uh, like when you're feeling more anxious or you're under more stress, do you find there's a relationship that you get the stomach aches more or that there isn't one really? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. So, again, you know, that's something that we always have to rule out all the, the life-threatening things before we say something is, is anxiety, that the, that the cause of something is really just anxiety. But, however, it, it certainly is uh, when there's a relationship like that, it certainly is suggestive. And definitely things that are caused by anxiety usually you can find some relationship that, you know, whenever someone is really getting a lot of anxiety or stress, that they get the symptom, that it certainly suggests that. And especially if you have had uh, complete testing. The other thing that's reassuring, certainly, Mary, is uh, that you've had it for so many years and you're, and you're still well. That's obviously a very good thing. Well, um, my diet is very good. I good. don't eat a lot of meat. Mm -hmm. I eat fish. I eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And I'm not a drinker. Here and there, I have a little drink, mm -hmm. and I do exercise a lot. And All I good. also notice that when I do exercise, at least uh, four or five times a week, yeah. I feel all over much better. In well, my I think that's uh, good advice to anyone. Uh, Mary, thanks a lot for your call. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a good Bye. day. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got Pat in Bob Cajun. And Pat, you want to talk about TIAs, the so-called mini-strokes. Yes, is that all right if I sure, ask? Sure, absolutely. Okay, Please. thank you. Uh, Dr. Zach, recently yeah. a friend of mine experienced what they thought was a TIA. Yeah. They brought her immediately to the hospital. She remained overnight. She recovered uh, completely. 
Um, she was asked to return in 48 hours for a battery of tests, which she did. Yeah. Uh, she also uh, went with a halter monitor. <clears throat> um, after she had her tests on the uh, two days later, she was told that she had experienced global amnesia. Oh, and yes. that it was as a result of low-dose aspirin. Uh, oh, wow. Now that... <laughs> Pat, do you have your radio on? Because we're getting feedback. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's not off, but it's turned right down. I'll turn it right off. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what, Pat? Um, my operator is telling me that it's a bad line. Have you asked your question? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. So we're going to say goodbye to you and listen for Dr. Zach's answer, okay? Okay. Thank Thanks. you, Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, so thanks, Pat, for your question, and it's a very good one. And it's all, I'm glad you brought up uh, this transient global amnesia because we actually see it. It's actually more common than, uh, than people are aware of. And, and you're asking about the relationship between aspirin and uh, transient global amnesia. So just to say, transient global amnesia is uh, basically it's a, it's a clinical syndrome in which people have a loss of memory for several hours, a distinct portion of time, so we're talking three or four hours, where people lose, their, their, they can be somewhat confused during that time. It resolves completely. They have a whole battery of tests afterwards to make sure they didn't have a stroke or a TAA. It's all negative, and then they go completely back to normal, and the neurologists examine them, make sure nothing else is going on, and, and they call it transient global amnesia, which is just as the name suggests. You have this total amnesia for a few hours, and then you, it gets back to normal. Now, it's, the question is, is there a relationship between that and aspirin. And to be honest with you, I am not aware of a relationship between the use of aspirin and transient global amnesia. I, I can research it, but it's certainly not, uh, it's, it, it's certainly, I, I, you know, I see it a fair bit and I work with neurologists and it's certainly not a classic thing where they say, oh, this is, you know, this person, it's because of uh, aspirin. It's not a common relationship. Okay, so I don't Zach. Think everyone, yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's try to, sorry, let's try to get a few more calls in sure, before sure. we have to go. Uh, yeah. Vicki and Markham. Hi, Vicki. Hello? Vicki, are you there? One last chance. Okay, she doesn't... <laughs> Hello? All right. Isa in Toronto. Hi, Isa. Hello, hi. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm going to try to make this a little, as short as possible. Um, uh, you were mentioning H. pylori. I was diagnosed with H. pylori. I did have the... I did take the multi-pack, I think it was what it's called, the antibiotics. Yes. Um, had the breath test, it was, I was cleared, but I've been still getting a lot of pain in my stomach and a lot of gas. I actually had to get an ultrasound this weekend because I am I do have fibroids as well for my OBGYN to take a look at my fibroids, and the technician actually said it was hard to see because of all, all the overlaying gas mm. that I have trapped in my stomach. Wake up in the morning, I'm constantly burping. If I drink a glass of water... I'm burping for about sometimes 10 minutes to the point where it makes me feel sick. And I had an endoscopy done. Um, they checked for celiac disease, no celiac disease. I found out that I was lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. um, the doctor suggested going on a FODMAP diet. Mm -hmm. um, I tried that, um, but nothing seems to be letting up. And my stomach is quite distended. With with a lot of pain sometimes, and I, I, I my bowel movements are regular. Um, no pee in my sorry, no blood in my um, urine. Mm -hmm. No vomiting. So I don't know. Can you advise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. 
It's yeah. a tough one, Isha. Thanks for your for your question. And mm-hmm. yes, so I mean, once you're treated, it sounds like number one, you were treated for the H. pylori. You had the breath yep. test. It sounds like it's gone. So, so yeah, I think you're you're right that that part of it is taken care of. But you're still having a lot of symptoms. Yes. And it, it sounds like the workup you're having, by the way, is is appropriate as well. Like the um, the testing, because you can get a lot of these symptoms. Uh, especially the gas can be from if you're not digesting things properly. Right. Uh, gas gas happens when uh, when oxygen and nitrogen collect in the digestive tract, and so right. some foods make it, but also sometimes uh, swallowing air can make it. And uh, in in people like you said, like people with celiac can get it. You don't have that lactose uh-huh. intolerance. So I assume now you're you're avoiding lactose. Yes, I'm completely staying away. Yeah, so that's good. I mean, because that one can also. Uh, you know, that can give you some of the symptoms of a lactose intolerance or to have more gas. Right. What's but, your opinion uh, on a FODMAP diet? Well, the FODMAP diet, I know they use it uh, specifically primarily with the uh, the IBS, the irritable. And I was, I was actually the doctor diagnosed I'm just going uh, to chime in here. We've really okay. got to wrap it up for news. So, Zach, if you can give us the 20-second uh, wrap-up, please. <laughs> okay, yeah. So FODMAP diet um, is, is good. People can just Google it to get an idea of what it is, but it certainly has been shown in people with irritable bowel syndrome right. to be helpful. Right. Right. Um, I think if uh, I, I, I certainly think in your case it would be worth a trial of it if your doctor thinks it's uh, it, it's a good idea. If that okay. doesn't work though, I certainly recommend. I think you have to keep going back, and they can right. continue to work it up and see what's causing. Because there is something causing it, you know. And yeah. Okay. It takes a while. Thank you. Okay, thank you Isa. So much, thanks Dr. for Zach. your call, Zach Levine, our house doctor. Thank you so much for that. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.